Amen. Thank you for your giving. It is time for the word of God. Amen. 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 And we are grateful for it. But always remember, when you pull in the parking lot, you're already ready. So it's not just you're not waiting for the word, the worship, the hugs, the smiles, the giving. All of those things are important. Amen. And so we don't want to make like the preaching moment is the only important thing, but it, the word of God is important. So let's bow our heads and we will pray briefly. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, we thank you for the people of God. Solomon called the people of God a great people, God. And I thank you, God, that these are a great people. And God, I thank you that you give us the opportunity to feed your sheep and to feed your lambs. So God, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, illuminate me, God. We thank you that revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces. And God, we will be forever blessed and eternally touched by the preaching moment. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let all the people say, Amen. Amen. All right, come on with your Bibles in your hands. Repeating after me, this is my Bible. Right. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Right. I will have what it says I will have. Right. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. Yes. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, Father God feed, me your word. feed me your word. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. We believe you're going to be fed. All right, so first of all, we're not going to cut you as hard as we did last week. So Amen. praise the Lord for that. But today we're going to talk about a simple title, and it's very simple, and it's this, Face It. Face it. Amen. I was going to tell you to say it, but Trish already beat me to it, so come on. <laughs> say it with me. Say, face it. Face it. Amen. Face it. All right, so in order to work through this, what we're going to do, we're going to give uh, just uh, two definitions. The one that is very common, but then the one that we're actually going to work with. So when you see the word face, this is the first definition you think of. And we'll go ahead and we'll flash that up. And this is when it's in its noun form. It means the front part of a person's head from the forehead to the chin, the face. But when it's in its verb form, which is what we'll be dealing with, we're dealing with not the noun, but the verb. The verb form, bring that up. The verb form is to confront and deal with or accept a difficult or unpleasant task, fact, or situation. But read it again. To confront and deal with or accept a difficult or unpleasant task, 
fact or situation, face it. So some stuff we're not going to be able to get around. Some stuff we're not going to be able to detour and bypass. You're going to have to face it. And many times because we are good Christian people, we are adverse to confrontation. But sometimes confrontation is unavoidable. Some things you just got to face. You got to deal with. And many times the thing that you have to face the most, the one you have to face the most, is the one on the other side of the mirror. Amen. Sometimes you just got to look yourself in the face and deal with things, confront things, accept things, even though they're difficult. And when it comes to even relationships, there is a there's a, there's a couple ways to deal with it, and many of them are not good. When, when you talk about marital counseling, there's something they call bury it and forget it. In other words, that's when you sweep things under the rug. But eventually, everything you put under the rug is going to pile up. And you're going to have a bigger trouble than if you just faced it. And then there's another one called cats and dogs. Cats and dogs is where you just go out and just fight, 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 holler. Neither one of y'all know what you're talking about. You're arguing, you're fussing, but nothing gets dealt with. But if you're ever going to progress in a relationship, sometimes you got to sit down and just face some stuff, confront some things, deal with them. And so that's what we're working with. Now, before I put this next thing up, I'm going to tell you a story. So I had come out of college, and I had I was drinking pretty heavily, pretty bad, and it was a, probably about an eight-month period of time I had not drank anything, hadn't been drunk. And so I was thankful and praising God that I had been delivered from alcohol, which was a good thing because I was, I had really lost my way for a moment and I was thanking God that I was delivered. I had not had any alcohol on my lips. I hadn't been drunk in eight, nine months. And I was telling people that God delivered me from alcohol. Well, one day I go to Applebee's and I'm sitting in, not at the bar, I'm sitting over in one of those seats. And I happened to turn to the left and just somehow seemed like all those alcohol bottles started talking to me. Oh, they was just, I mean, I saw the colors. I saw blue liquor. I saw, I mean, and it just looked so good. It was like it was talking to me. And it confused me because I've been telling people I was delivered. And then God spoke this phrase to me, and I want to bring it up. He spoke this phrase avoidance is not deliverance. It's not the same thing. So what he was letting me know for these nine months, I had avoided it, but that didn't necessarily mean I was delivered from it. You don't know you're delivered until you face it. That's when you know you got some deliverance. And so I, so I didn't freak out. I was like, well, let me keep on praying. Because the way this stuff is talking to me right now, it's, it's, it's only going to take me a few minutes to go back to where I was. So now I got to double down and I got to go from avoidance to deliverance. And so don't think because you're avoiding something that you've overcome it. You don't know you've overcome it till it's there. 
You don't know you've overcome your ex until at 2.30 in the morning, he or she texts you when you're lonely and you don't expect it. That's when you find out how much deliverance you really have. And so some things we just got to face. All right. All right. So let's, having said that, let's, let's break it down into to these four areas. So we're going to have four areas to face. Uh, four areas to face. And of course, as I do, I like to spell things out so they will actually be, we'll be spelling the word face as we go. So four areas to face. And so let's start with uh, the first one. And they're not in varying degrees of importance. They're all important. Just whatever hits you is what you holler and say amen on. But the first one is you got to face your fears. You have to face your fears. All right. So what we're going to do as we go through this, we're going to give you the point, And then we're going to give you a quote from a famous person. Then I'm going to give you the scriptures, and then I'm going to give you a quote from myself to tie it all together. So, so let's bring the point back up in in its full orange orangeness. Bring it up. Face your fears. Somebody said it again. Say, face your fears. Face your fears. All right. So here's the famous quote: Do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. That's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. In other words. If you're scared, don't run it from it. Do it anyhow. Actually, face it so that you can kill it. You 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 you, you got to step into it. You can't run away from it. In order to overcome it, there's some stuff you just got to do scared. Let, let me give you something that happened just recently at Fields of Faith. So right before we go out to get ready to everybody go on stage, uh, they were in the prayer room and they decided to pray. And so they uh, they picked me and they said, hey, how about you start off, Pastor Andre, and this other person going to finish it. So I had a verse in my head that I was going to pray. So as I got to praying it, that verse left. And I got to mumbling and bumbling my words. I got to making up stuff. I, I made up a scripture that I know ain't in the Bible. And I don't know what happened. It just, it just my mind went blank on the spot. And I'm like, there's no way I can get out on stage and do this. So immediately, it's like my nerves went all over the place. And so before he went on stage, I went to the bathroom and looked myself in the mirror and said, pull yourself together. You ain't about to get up there and be a fool now, no. And I don't know what the devil was trying to grip me with fear. And I was like, nah, uh uh-uh. I done come too far to fold now. Uh Uh-uh. You trying to scare me, but I'm not about to get scared. Now, it it was weird because, I mean, it literally, I I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was praying. I had heard up and ended my part of the prayer real quick. But I'm not going to let you scare me. I'm not going to let you intimidate me. I'm not going to let you stop me. So let me let you know, devil, I'm facing you. I'm going to look you square in the face, and you're not going to back me up and back me off. Also, what brought me to this, I I seen a video. It was two animals, and I believe they were uh, water buffaloes, or if they weren't water buffaloes, they were were, uh, maybe antelopes. They were something, but they were running. It was two of them. They were running. And they were being chased by a lion. And at some point, one of them, the one on the left side, just kept running. 
the one on the right side was running and then it turned around and faced the lion. And all of a sudden the lion started backing up. In other words, I, it was, it was emboldened by them running. But when they turned and faced, or at least one of them turned and faced it, that lion started backing up. And the Bible says Satan is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, which means he can't devour everybody. And as long as you're running from him, you give him the upper hand. But sometimes, even though you're scared, you got to turn around and look the devil straight in his face. I know you've been messing with me. I know I'm nervous. I know I'm afraid. But I'm not moving. I'm not running. I'm looking you straight in your face because I'm not getting moved up off of this. I'm too close now. I'm too close to a breakthrough to fizzle out now. No, I'm not fearing. Even though I'm scared, there's a difference between being scared and operating in fear. Fear, the type of fear I'm talking about is paralysis fear. Fear that paralyzes you where you're stuck, where you can't move, you can't do anything. It's one thing to be scared, but to still be moving. I'm nervous, but I'm still moving. I'm scared, but I'm still walking. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm, I'm I'm getting ready to sign for my first house. I don't know if I can pay for it or not, but I'm tired of this apartment I'm in, and I'm taking the chance. Yes, you're, I'm nervous. Yes, I'm scared, but I'm going for it. When when I, when I got to call to preach in South Africa, and uh, once we were getting the planes of flights and all that stuff together, I realized it was going to be the first time for me flying by myself, especially overseas. Now, I had been overseas, but I had been there with my wife. I had been other places. The first time I flown, I flown with my parents, then I flown with my kids, and when we went to a trip to Europe, I was with my uh, my class. And so what was going on, there was always somebody to tell me where to go. Lady Devon is always focused, and so she'd be like, we don't go to here, we're supposed to go there. I, I, I didn't have to pay attention. I bought the tickets, I'm just walking with everybody else. But I realized, I'm getting ready to go to South Africa, I'm going to have to be alert, I'm going to have to pay attention, I don't have nobody else to depend on, and was a little of that nerve-wracking, flying 15 hours in the air, not sure where I'm going, but I wasn't going to say, well, I can't preach because I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared, but this is an opportunity, I'm not letting it slip by. So Andre, face it, pull yourself together, and guess what? It wasn't as hard as I thought it was. It was very easy because I faced it. All right, let's look at Isaiah 35 and 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Mm. Strengthen the weak. It, it, It doesn't say you're not weak. It doesn't say you're not feeble. It just says strengthen it. In other words, there's some stuff that will make you shake in your boots, but call strength to yourself. Demand yourself to strengthen up. Demand your feeble knees to get together. Square your shoulders, lock yourself, and say, I'm nervous, but I'm going in high. Read some more. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Oh, baby, you're anxious. Oh, go ahead and lay down. Take three aspirins and lay down, sweetheart. No, it says say to the anxious folk. We're not saying you won't be anxious. Anxiety is a real thing. 
anxiety will sometimes change your whole body structure. You, you, your hands will start sweating. And another thing, when, when, when that uh, verse left my mind, my hands got to sweating. I went in the bathroom, washed my hands, dried my hands, and started talking to myself. No, uh-uh. This is not how you going out. If I go out, I'm going out on my terms, not the devil's terms. And so let's read, read, read the fullness of the scripture. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Be strong. Fear not. What? Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. He will come and he will save you. Now, now, how can he save you if you never got in a situation that would scare you? If... Brother Donald walks up here right now and grabs my hand and says, Pastor, I'm saving you. I'm like, well, I really didn't need you saving me because I'm not in trouble. You're actually interrupting me. But if I was drowning and he jumps up, then I know, thank God for you saving me. And so here's the thing. What God is saying is like, what I need you to know, even though you're weak, even though you're feeble, even though you're anxious, I'm telling you, be strong. And fear not, because I'm coming to save you. I'm going to show up. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to snatch you away from the fire. But if I never let you get close to the fire, you'll never know how great I am to snatch you back. So go anyhow, even when you're scared. Face it. Let's look at Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Oh, here's the problem. The fear of man, your fear has a way of trapping you up. It actually lays a snare for you. When I was young and sometimes being a young boy in the elementary, we didn't, when we liked girls, we didn't know how to express we liked them. So we, we would actually pick with the girls we liked. It took us a while to figure out our hormones and realize we were liking them. But what we would do, we would tie the girls' shoes together. And then what would happen is they would trip and they would fall because they thought they were able to take one step and another step, but they were tied together and they couldn't help but to fall. And that's what fear will do to you. It'll trap you up when you least expect it. It'll paralyze you when you should be moving forward. It'll make you go backward. It'll make you hide. It'll make you tuck and run. It'll make you just just go somewhere and just give up. No, we don't have time to give it up. I don't have time. I'm Even though I fell, I'm getting up. I'm dusting my knees off. I'm moving forward. I'm too close and I'm too old to quit now. I done prayed too much. And one of the worst things that happened is the very thing you pray for shows up and you get too scared. Opportunity starts swinging wide open and you get too nervous. No, I'm going. I've been working too hard in the hallway. So when that door's open, I'm going through that door. Well, what about the folk? I, I can't worry about the folk behind me. This is my opportunity. I'm about to carpe diem. I'm about to seize the day. I got to go for it. Well, you don't have the degree for it, but the opportunity is here. I'm going for it. Let me learn along the way. I'm going all the way. I'm taking a chance. My wife always had a dream to be a daycare owner. She talked about this when we were early in marriage and she was working at Circuit City. And then she ended up working at the hospital. 
and uh, working in radiology, and then an opportunity opened up for her to be a daycare owner, and we were not really ready. But the dream showed up early. So I said, let's do it. Let's go for it. I encouraged her to go for it, and she's been knocking it out of the park ever since. But if she waited till all the stars aligned, she would have never done anything. You got to look at your fear and say, I'm going anyhow. Sometimes your greatest blessing is on the other side of your fear. All right, so let's let's look at uh, verse 7, uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is beautiful, and we've quoted it a lot, but sometimes we miss something. We miss the fact that fear is a spirit. So God has not given you the spirit of fear. So we're not talking about normal fear. There is a healthy fear. There is, if you don't know how to swim, walking by the 12-foot pool doesn't make sense. That's ignorance. I'm not talking about being ignorant. There is a healthy fear. But then there is a spirit of fear that tries to paralyze you. And God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I wonder why does it say sound mind? Because what fear does, it messes with your mind. And once fear gets in your mind, it will totally debilitate you. It will stop you. I know people that say, oh, I want to go overseas, but I'm afraid to fly. Well, you're going to have to figure something out because the Greyhound don't go to South Africa. So either you're going to have to let your dream die or you're going to have to let your fear die. Both of them cannot coexist. And that leads me to my own quote. Here's my quote. Flash it up there. You'll never kill a fear that you consistently call. As long as you baby your fear. Oh, sweet, I'm, you know I'm nervous. You know nobody in my family ever. As long as you keep coddling it, it will never die. Some things you're just going to have to face it. You got to look in there and you're going to have to face it. And what I've learned is when I step, God steps. Another thing about, about the whole South Africa trip, which is very interesting, uh, I got the invitation in February. And so I accepted the invitation because me and this pastor, we had talked uh, the, the year previous and we talked about it would be good if we could connect and we, we share with each other. So like, if you could fly to me and I could fly to you, we'll take care of the rest. I'll feed you, I'll house you if we can get to each other because those flights are really expensive and neither one of our ministries were big enough to pay for the flight. But we made that deal if it ever happened. Well, he, in February, is like, there's an opportunity for you to come. Is the offer still on the table? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I took the chance. But what I didn't know is that I was going to have... Shoulder surgery in May. What I also didn't know is that my new home was going to be available to be purchased. We got a new home in that same year. So by the time it rolled around, the actual date for me to go was in September. This was 2017. So I got the invitation in February. And then my life went through a shift. And what thing about my uh, shoulder surgery, which I'm glad I was able to get it, but I couldn't put it off any longer. But then I was on sick leave, which meant my payments or what I received from work was much lower. 
It's you still get paid, which is a blessing, but you don't get paid what you normally get paid for working, which makes sense. But when you're used to one thing and your bills are one thing and you start getting a lot lower, it gets a little rough. Well, on top of that, I didn't know that we were going to find the house that we wanted. And so now I'm stepping up getting a new house and all my money is a little bit lower. And God blessed me and got me through it. But guess what? By the time I took the flight, I had $100 in my account. I ain't talking about uh, my savings. I'm talking about my main account, $100. So I could have said, man, I can't go to South Africa with $100. I was like, listen, if I got a fast, I got a fast. I'm going. This is my dream. This is my chance. And so I left with $100 in my account. Now, what I did know, by the time I come back, I was going to come back on a Friday, no, Saturday. By the time I come back on a Saturday, I would at least have a little money from my, uh, from my, my, my check, my other check, my, I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to say. But from, uh, so I, I know I was going to have a little something. But there's going to be some days where it was going to be a little troublesome. And here's the thing, I ain't never been to South Africa before, so I don't know what I'm eating. I don't know what they're going to feed me. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not, but I'm going anyhow. And the word that I was trying to trying to grab was the sick leave pay. I was going to have a little bit of it by Friday, but it was going to be a little thin. So guess what? I packed some stuff in the luggage. I packed some chips. I packed some stuff just in case. But one thing I wasn't going to do is be scared and back up. This was my chance. I was going to go. Now, one thing that me and the pastor, we did not talk about giving each other offering. We said, if you could fly here, we'll take care of your hotel and your food. And so that's all I was expecting. So after I preached, the pastor told me it's one of the best messages he had ever heard in his life. And I was like, well, thank God. Praise God. I was happy that God was able to do it. And he scheduled for me to go preach somewhere else, which I didn't know. I preached at another place. So I preached a couple times while I was there. So anyway, on the day before we were supposed to go back home, I get a notification, a PayPal notification of an $1,000 seed. Now, the South African money was a, a whole bunch different than American money. So I was like, oh, uh, they gave me an offering, but it's a South African offering because it's, it's got a lot. But when you, when you go ahead and, and divide it, it would have been about $150. But hey, that was more than what I had, so I was happy. But then I looked at the notification again, and it said USD. I'm like, USD? That means U.S. dollars. <laughs> so I left with 100. Yeah. But after I preached, I had 1,100. Yeah. Because God says, if you're not scared, and you'll just launch out and step out, I'll make up the difference. I had no idea. We never talked about it in the offering. And he just said, me and my wife just want to bless you. And I said, well, thank you. I didn't let them know how broke I was, but baby, I was happy. I want to do one of them African dances when I got it. Thank God. But here's the thing. I would have never got there if I got too scared. It, it's, it's hard to fly to another cotton with only $100. But that ain't what I came back with because God knows how to make up the difference. So face your fears. All right. Moving right along. Took more time on that than, than what I meant to. So, uh, and, and let me, uh, let me give you this example while we're there. So literally just a few minutes ago, I could not think of sick leave pay. 
I literally, it, it was just gone out of my head. So what? I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep preaching till I get there. So, so stop allowing things that scare you to stop you. Sometimes you just gotta keep going. You'll figure it out. God will help you. You'll figure it out. Sometimes you don't promise somebody you don't, you're gonna bake them a cake and here you go. I'm gonna deliver it. And then you show up and you don't have what you need. You don't have the vanilla that you need. God will give you something in the fly to make it work. Don't, don't quit. Don't be scared. Just let, just trust God and watch Him work it out. All right, here we go. Uh, point number two. This is another thing you gotta face. You gotta face your anger. All right, here's a quote. Anger does a man more hurt. Here's, put the quote up for me. Anger does a man more hurt than that which made him angry. Charles Spurgeon. So the event that makes you angry is not the problem. It's when you stay angry, that's the problem, because anger has a way of damaging the one who got angry. In other words, Trish could make me angry. It could be all her fault, but she can go on and move on. And if I hold on to that anger, it bothers me. So guess what you got to do? You got to face your anger. I'll tell the story before, and I'll say it again, and some of y'all who have not heard it may be shocked, but early in my marriage, I punched a hole in our wall. And one thing I realized, number one, my mama got on me, and she's like, you can't be doing this. But every time I looked and seen the hole, I realized, Andre, you can't be doing this. We're only two years into marriage. We're not going to make it long if I can't, if I can learn how to get this anger together. So the first thing I had to do, I had to face it. It's always easier when you can blame someone else. Well, they made me angry, but you stayed angry. They made you angry, but they didn't make you punch a hole in the wall. So there's something in you. And my dad used to always tell me, what happens when you squeeze toothpaste? Well, daddy, toothpaste comes out. And he would say, whatever's in you, when you get squeezed, it's going to come out. And so sometimes God allows the squeeze to show you what's in you. And many times you don't know how deep it's in you until the squeeze gets out. But once the squeeze shows you what's in you, stop blaming and stop shifting blame and stop hiding and just face it. All right, let's look at Proverbs 19 and 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You do not have to go off over every single thing. I asked for a Coke two minutes ago, and you ain't brought my... Chill out. Because it's... When, you, when you're like that, you don't have good sense. People who have good sense, they learn how to face their anger to the point where they control it. Now, we're all human. We all can get angry. But when you're always flying off the handle all the time, something's wrong. And normally people like that, they will point at everything else but themselves. Something's going on and you have some screws loose that need to be retightened, and you need to face it. All right, let's look at Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. All right, the, the next verse is going to say, show us. Lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Now, two times we see snare. It says fear will snare you up. But if you start hanging around angry people, 
And you start getting locked up with angry people, it'll cost you. Now, so I always tell you single women, yes, he looks good, but you need to stick around long enough to see how he acts when he's angry. See, if he going off around everyone around you and he's sweet to you, that's a red flag. Because at some point, there's no, it's not going to be nobody else for him to go off on. It's just going to be you and him. And I'm tired of praying black eyes off of you when you could have just watched the red flags and say something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with his mind. And not just him, her. Something's wrong with her. She, she fusses about everything. Just snappy, edgy. You cannot get locked in with people like that because there's something wrong. And if you get entangled in that, it'll snare you up. It'll trap you up. And so you have to be very careful with it. All right, so we got another verse. Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife. And one given to anger causes much transgression. Always into trouble. Always. Much transgression. I've seen people who've lost their job over the dumbest things. <laughs> Just angry. And so you have to face it. Now, if you're a person who are, is not given to ill-temperedness, you don't understand it. I understand it. It was just something. I, I said that I would go from angry to off and wouldn't know how I got there. I would go from one level to the next. And so I had to face it. I had to start asking myself tough questions. What is wrong with you? So that leads me to my quote. And here's my quote. This will help you, especially if you deal with this. Anger is often a secondary emotion. So you face it to find out what's triggering it. So, punching the wall is the fruit, but there's a root somewhere. And the reason why you face it is so you can get to what's triggering it. And many times we only face things because we got caught. I only faced it because it showed up in a way where everybody had to know about it. And then I realized, okay, you're going to have to deal with it, which, which is good because it makes me a much better father. I don't discipline as much out of anger because I got a chance to deal with it. And sometimes I wonder when me and my wife are struggling to have kids, I wonder if God not allowing us to have kids until I can get my anger together. And sometimes you have to wonder, is the blessing, is God being unfair with the blessing or is he really waiting on you to grow up? And so you got to figure out what's triggering you. So one of the things I realized in, 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 when it comes to relationship-wise, well, first of all, I'm short. So I got short man syndrome where you, you get teased, you get picked on, and then you get in a, a mode where I'm not going to get picked on anymore. But the problem, and that's nothing wrong with that. That's like facing your fears. But the problem is you make everybody pay for other folks' mistakes. So I would go off on Devin because I felt like she was disrespecting me. But sometimes... God was trying to ask me, is she really disrespecting you or is that how you're hearing it? See, if there's something wrong with you, somebody can say something calm to you and you can hear it wrong. You could be at a four-way stop and a person wave you on. Don't be waving me on who you think you are. Maybe they were actually trying to be nice, but because you've got issues, you read everything wrong. Now, because I have the mic, I'm telling off on myself, but 
but uh, it wasn't like Devin was perfect. We both were learning and growing. I was 23 when we got married. She was 20. So we were young and dumb. But we've learned and we've grown. But one time I told her, I said, when I say something out of my mouth, by the time it gets to your ears and goes to your head, I don't know what happens. I said one thing and you heard something totally different. And so that happens when you have triggers and traumas. Sometimes you read stuff that's not even there. Uh, no, I ain't. Why don't you ever sit on that side? I ain't sitting on the side the way Ruthie be looking at me. Where she be turning her nose up at me. She don't need. She has no idea you're upset with her. Her nose was tickled, so she she's sniffing, looking at her, turning her nose up at me. Really, you're not that important for somebody to stop a whole service to focus on you. It's something inside of you, and you got to figure out what it is. And that's why we went through healthy church. you got to know your own trauma and your own triggers, because some of the stuff you're angry about, really nobody done it. It's just how you perceive it. Now, because of racism as a black man, sometimes we automatically think the white man is mad at us, is racist. Sometimes, I, I remember one time I was in Lowe's, I left, I left my job and went to Lowe's to get something, and three or four people came up to me and asked me where something was. I'm like, why do these white folk think I work here? And then I realized I still had my orange vest on from work. It's a possibility that they weren't racist, it's just I looked like I worked there. It took me a while to realize, but my default mode is these folk being racist. And it's true that there are people who are being racist, but sometimes you gotta face stuff to get to the real root. And sometimes the only thing that's going on is you. Sometimes there's real stuff there. Sometimes people are really doing you wrong, but a lot of times you just got some junk you need to deal with. All right. And so having said that, that leads me to point number three. What do we need to do here? We gotta face change. All right, so here, here's a uh, quote from William Barclay. It says this, To admire ourselves as we are is to have no wish to change. And with those who don't want to change, the soul is dead. Wow. William Barclay. In other words, if you have no desire to adjust and grow, something's dead inside of you. If you're okay, and this is what happens to a lot of people, especially when you deal with the anger. They say, That's just how I am. That's just who I am. I've been like that. My mama been like that. My grandma been like that. Well, maybe you're the one supposed to change. Maybe the buck was supposed to stop at you, but you're so used to this is how we are. But maybe it's not right. Maybe it's supposed to change. Now, we can understand that when there's people who have no Holy Spirit, but when you have the Holy Spirit and you refuse to change, the soul is dead. And so we got to face change. And let's be honest, change is uncomfortable in most cases. I know some people on my job that have worse jobs than me, but have more time than I do. And they are stuck on a bad job, and they've been working it forever, but they're just afraid to change. Listen, if I, if I go there and I'm sweating uh, 80% of the time, I'm looking for another. I'm looking for another department. Well, Andre, you're gonna have to learn something new. I don't care. I'm not. I, I ain't gonna be doing that forever. 
I, I was on a job that was so horrible, and I was I was praying that something would open up. God let something open up, and something opened up that I didn't know nothing about. And guess what? I put my name in for it and got it. I just took a chance because I was like, I I, I can't do this forever. And there's some people, they stay stuck in hard stuff because they don't want to change. They are afraid of change. It's that fear again. They fear change. But sometimes you'll find on the other end of change is a blessing. Change. I've had people who complain about, where's that? They complain about their phone. Oh, I like uh, iPhones. I like Android. But I wish it would do this. It don't never do this. Uh, yes, it does. No, it don't. Yes, it does. Oh, that was in an update that happened two years ago. So now you fussing at the phone, but you didn't make the change. The software was available to you, but because, oh, I don't know how to do that. So you just put it down. But now you fussing at it for not doing what it could do, but you didn't change. And then let me let you know, there's some updates and upgrades available to you. But you're too scared to change. Oh, God, I wish. I wish I had a bigger house. But you won't go looking for one. You won't go check with a real estate agent. You don't even know what your credit is to see if you could get another house. But you just want to complain about where you are without doing any steps to change. Don't expect God to move towards you and you won't do anything. They say that the thought of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I don't know why I don't have six-pack abs. Yeah, you do. You don't go to the gym, and you eat bread and cakes and cookies and pies. Now, if you're going to eat breads and cakes and cookies and pies and not going to go to the gym, then deal with the gut. Don't be surprised with what you have if you haven't made any steps to change. It's very simple, but it's true. Let's give us a scripture here. Behold. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now it's, it's weird to have rivers in the desert. But what I like about it is not just that God said, I will do a new thing. He makes a statement. He said, do you not perceive it? One thing says, will you? In other words, even if I do something new, will you catch on? They say the biggest hindrance to a new move of God is an old move of God. Because since God didn't do it like it last time, they assume it ain't going to be done. Like we just talked about how like we know of at least 103 people that made decisions at the fields of faith, but that whole thing is different. It's in the field house. They got smoke. They got lights. I don't want to go to church, but they got smoke. God don't need all that. Maybe he don't. But if in a hundred years nobody got saved at your church and folk got saved in the smoke, maybe you need to change. I don't want to go to church where they don't have no real Bible. I need something that I can, I can turn. But you got dust all in it. You really ain't opening up. You just finding something to complain about. And sometimes technology is actually helping you. So all you got to do is change, adjust. Not all change is good, 
but not all change is bad. You got to know what change is right for you. And here's the one thing that I've learned. When God keeps bringing something up over and over, it's usually him trying to let me know I need to change. When, 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 when things keep bumping into you over and over, God, he tries over and over to tell you. But here's the thing about God. He is not obligated to repeat himself. He will repeat himself because he's so good, but he's not obligated to repeat himself. He really can offer you one time and close the door. But he's so gracious and mercy, he tries over and over and over. But sometimes the only thing different is you got to change. All right, so let's bring up my quote. Running from change will have the old holding on to you and the new running away from you. Some of y'all are repelling the new. It actually runs away from you because you hold on to the old so much and you're so adverse to changing and adjusting that new passes you up. Sometimes just change the furniture in your house. Just move a chair from here to there. Just adjust some stuff. Make some things different. You, you, you'll be, you'll be, uh, surprised at how you feel by just making some adjustments. The last couple of weeks, I decided instead of wearing a tie, I wore a t-shirt with a suit just to change it up. I used to not wear tennis shoes with suits, but I started doing it just to change it up. And guess what? A lot of the old people don't know, but the young people are like, ooh, I like that. But see, I wouldn't have reached them if I was adverse to change. Sometimes you just got to try something new. Just try it. Stop going to the same restaurant, ordering the same stuff all the time. Well, what happens if I order something I don't like and I lose my money? Well, you got an experience. Now you know you don't like it. Try something new. I don't want to see somebody 65 years old eating chicken fingers all the time. No, try something different. Expand. Because many times God has said, I'll bring something to you if you're willing to adjust and you're willing to change. Even our young people don't have as many here today, but even our young people, if you always are getting F's, maybe you should change your study habits. Maybe change the people you talk to. I noticed there was a girl sitting next to me when I was in school that would always talk to me. Always talk to me. I was getting F's and they was getting A's. So they distracted me, and I'm over there talking to them. But in other words, they could multitask. They could talk and listen, but I couldn't. So I had to figure out if we, if I'm going to get where you are, I got to tell you, shut up. Shh. I'm listening right now. And guess what? They got mad at me because they was used to me being the class clown, doing all the stuff, but I was getting the S while they was getting the A's. And while they getting college offers, I'm struggling to get some somebody to offer me something because I had to let my uh, grade point average slip so low. But once I started shifting and changing, I realized I was smarter than what I thought I was. I went to end up going getting accepted to Earlham College. I had a 2.9 grade average, which is not good. But I had like a 1.8, and I pulled it all the way up to a 2.9. I missed a 3.0 barely by one grade. I got a C on one test and maybe miss it. So because of that, not a whole lot of colleges wanted a 2.9, and they sure weren't giving scholarships for that. So Earlham College, they had what they call August Academic Term, which is said, we will give you or allow you to come to our school, but first got to come in August, 
And we got to see if you can handle even this workload before we allow you to come in. So the first day we get there, they are going through all these introductions. It's about 30 of us, and they're going in a circle. And they started with the person on the left of me, so that means I was going to be at the end. And so what I started doing so I could help figure out who these people were, I started memorizing what they were. This person says, I am so-and-so, and I'm from New York. I'm like, oh, the guy from New York got orange shoes on. Filed it in my memory. I was just trying to remember because I'm new. I barely got in. I'm just trying to figure out. Well, anyway, when we got all the way to the end, the professor here next to me said, well, since you're the end, you got to tell everybody's name who they are. He was joking, but I didn't know it. So I started rattling off everybody's name all the way till we got back to the professor, and they stood up and clapped for me. I'm wondering why they're clapping. They were like, that was amazing. I was just joking. How did you memorize all these people? And then the, the professor said, you're gifted. Nobody told me I was gifted. Now, my parents told me I was gifted, but not in my school setting. I thought I was dumb. And I realized I'm gifted. And then we got to doing these papers, and everybody was getting a whole bunch of red on their papers. And they said, they said you always got Fs. The best most people did was an F. My first paper, I got a C. And they were like, you're good at this. And then in the third week, it was an eight-week turn. In the third week, they asked me, could I come back and tutor the people the next year? I didn't know what I had in me, but once I started changing, I found out I was smarter than I ever knew I was. Not only was I smart, I was a brilliant and didn't know it until I got a change. And one thing, it was in my change of environment, too. I got, I, I changed my environment because where I was, I was the only black man in an all-white school. So I was expected to be the class clown, to be the cool person, but nobody really expected me to do good. But once I got in a new area where everybody had a new chance, I excelled. I had no idea I was that smart. So why am I saying that? I don't know what you have in you. You may have more in you, but you just may need to change the scenery. You just made me the vacation, and sometimes something will happen to you. How I started wearing suits when we went to Las Vegas, and just just being in the luxury of Las Vegas, I came back through, and we landed in Indianapolis. We went to uh, Value City, back when Value City used to sell clothes, and I happened to see a suit. I was like, ah, I don't wear suits. Let me buy it. I bought that suit, and everybody started complimenting me. I'm like, wow. So I went back to Value City and bought two more. And next thing I know, I became the suit wearer. I didn't know I had it in me. I didn't know because if you ask my parents and you ask my sister, I was sloppy growing up. I didn't care about nothing. My mama said, are you going to walk out the house rough, dry like this? Because I had wrinkles everywhere. Didn't care. But I didn't know I had it in me. But it took a change of scenery to unlock something inside of me. Sometimes if you just change, move. Muncie is not everything in the world. Sometimes you got to go somewhere to unlock creativity. And you'll find out you're much more than you gave yourself credit for. But you have to be willing to change. Some of y'all single folks stuck with the same man, the same woman, and you know they ain't doing you no good, but you scared to change. Sometimes wedding bells is on the other end of the change. All right, that's almost it. Here's the last one, number four. We'll close from here. Now you got to face the enemy. 
So you got to face your fears. You got to face your anger. You got to face change and face enemy. Fears and enemy are, are very similar, but you got to face the enemy. And it reminds me of how those animals turned and they looked at the lion and the lion began to back up. All right, so let's look at this here. This is the quote. Or well, actually, yeah, this is the quote we're going to put up. It's hard to read, so I'll say it. It says this, do not think that because you have fled from the fight, you have escaped from the hands of the enemy. The adversary overtakes you with more pleasure when flying than he resists you when combating and strikes more boldly at your back than he attacks face to face. In other words, he goes harder when you're running because he don't, he doesn't have, he don't have to combat you if you're running from him. So when you're running, it gives him more Gumption. Now, some of y'all will say, well, when I face him, he wears me out. But start running, you see how bad it is. So you better just, just face the enemy. All right, let's, let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 24, because sometimes your blessing is on the other side of a major enemy. All the men of Israel, when they I wanna, saw... I want to know how many men? All. Okay. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him... And were much afraid. So there was fear and they ran from the enemy. This is Goliath. This is the story of Goliath. All the men, when they saw Goliath, they ran and they were afraid. All right, let's look at verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The first thing David asked is, what do you win when you beat this fellow? Everybody else was running for him. And the question he had is, what happens if you win? Because you have to understand how David was. David fought a lion and he fought a bear. And once you've been through enough stuff, new enemies don't bother you. Because, listen, I done been through something. What's interesting about the lion and the bear, the lion and the bear, they didn't announce their arrival because they're animals. They just showed up, and he had to fight on the fly. And when you've been forced to fight on the fly, some stuff you can just handle because Goliath for 40 straight days will come and announce himself. Here I am. And everybody was scared of him. They were like, what happens when you win? That's what I want to know. Because my mindset is winning because I'm about to face this joker. Let's look at what he says in verse 7. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now here's this little fella, this little ruddy fella, showed up from the shepherd field, said, shoot, if y'all scared, I'm gone. And here's the thing, David would have never become David had he not gone through Goliath. Uh And there are some things you will never advance to, you will never promote in without a fight. And here's the thing, if the fight is coming to you, you might as well go to the fight. All right, and so here's my quote. I'm going to go ahead and close it off with this. I can say much more, but I'm going to close it with this. Winners run into battle. But cowards run away. Don't be a coward. Hopefully, I'm not raising cowards in this church. I want you to run into the battle. 
Because one thing I've learned is because of who we are, the battle is always coming to us anyhow. Whether you like it or not, the devil hates us because of the potential we have that he's bringing everything he got. And instead of us being, oh God, no, let's run into it. You done done everything you can to us. And somehow we're still standing. So guess what? You're going to have to fight me face to face, you ugly devil. I'm swinging. I'm battling. I'm praying. I'm preaching. I'm giving. Whatever it takes. I'm worshiping. I'm coming prepared. But if you want to fight, a fight is what you're going to get. I will not be a coward in this season. I'm about to face it all. Go ahead and bring up the last thing and we'll, we'll run through them together. Face. Let's say it. Fear. Anger, Anger. change, Change. enemy, Enemy. I'm about to face it all. I'm about to face it all. And I'm about to win it all. I'm about to face it all. And I'm about to win it all. One more time. I'm about to face it all. And I'm about to win it all. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Face it. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, face it. All right. I'm going to be like the army. If you've been going in the wrong direction, this message is an about face. Turn around. Get focused. We about to win. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. God, you wouldn't tell us to face it if we couldn't win it. We're not facing it by ourselves. We're facing it with you on our side. We're facing it in the face of Jesus Christ. You are our rear guard. You are the one before us. You are around us. You're beside us. We're not doing it in our own energy. But we're doing it with you and through you. And because of that, we shall win. Now, Father God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you in the pardon of their sin, or if they're backslidden in any condition, I pray that they face that deficiency in their life and ask you into their heart to mold them, to make them, to shape them into the people that they need to be. And for that, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for any other region, would you would you come and prayer people will pray with you?